took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. Saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and to the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him in the third day he shall rise again. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And he knew the whole time, all right? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one at thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared." And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called unto him and said unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and the great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. Let's pray together. Father, we give You this day as best we know how, Lord. We give You ourselves as best we know how today. God, I pray that You would take this time. God, that it would be wholly Yours. Lord, set apart for you, for your honor, for your glory, for you to speak to us, for you to teach us, to guide us, to correct us, to challenge us. God, we give you thanks today that you've stirred our hearts and you've let us know your nearness. God, today I pray that we would be open to what you would say to us. Father, I pray for those guys that are out preaching the gospel today. Lord, that you would give them the power from on high that they stand in need of. God, that you would minister to wherever they are to those dear people. God, we here, we stand in need, Lord, of an awakening among your people. God, once again, Lord, you'd pour out your spirit. And Father, that we would walk in the freshness and the newness of knowing you. Father, we pray your will be done today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Today, as we look in these verses of Scripture, characteristically, I have still come up with three things, all right? In 32 through 34, we see a sorrowful prediction. A sorrowful prediction. Sorrowful prediction. 
And then in 35 through 41, we see a shameful petition. A shameful petition. And then 42 through 45, we see the sacrificial position. Now, those are a compilation of about me and two other guys come up with those, and I'm not going to tell you who they are. All right? But no, in all seriousness, that's a great, I think, a great understanding of what we have here today. That in these first few verses, we see that we're entering into really the last week, the last week of Jesus' life as he is uh, about to make his way to Jerusalem. That you always see, they're always going up to Jerusalem, that wonderful high and holy city. And there that he's taken his twelve there and he continues to teach them and to show them even in these last days, and not just even, but maybe especially in these last days that Jesus takes time to teach and prepare His closest followers for what is about to be ahead and what is to be in store for them. He's leaving them. He's not leaving them alone. He's leaving them with His instruction. He's leaving them with His Word. He's leaving them with the Holy Spirit of God who is forever going to be with them, forever going to encourage them, forever going to enable them to do all that God has called them to do. And that same Holy Spirit that He was leaving with His disciples, that He also left with me and you, to enable us, to encourage us, to equip us for all the things that God has in store for us in our life. And that's true for us individually, and that's true for us collectively as well as we think of our Christian life. You see that here Jesus was just a week away from dying on the cross, and they were so far from where they needed to be in their own heart and life. That he was trying to put these things inside of them and instill truth and instill upon them the things that they were going to need for the days ahead. It says that Jesus, I think it's interesting, just the word picture that we see here in verse, verse number 32. That Jesus, that he, Jesus went, he went before them and they were amazed. Now, I, in my mind, and I, think, I don't think this is uh, ministerially speaking, I think that this is real life stuff here, that Jesus, that he was within eyesight of his disciples as he led them toward the city of Jerusalem. As he encountered people, he saw as he, as he interacted with all those people that he came in contact with, some that who knows what all that he was doing as he was encountering these people, maybe some that were sick that he, were healing, that he was healing, some that were in desperate need, that you saw him, that he ministered grace and help and encouragement uh, just as he walked along the way. A good reminder in our life of the simplicity of what really ministry is all about. Ministry isn't about the big things and the lights. Ministry is about day to day, moment by moment, where you encounter needs and where we encounter people at. That we take time. Oh, God help us that we never be so busy that we don't have time for people. And you and I both know that's easy, that's easy to do, that we're, so, uh, we're on a mission. Oh, i got to get to point A and point B. But may we never forget those that we meet along the way between A and B as Jesus did here, and it says, and they were amazed. You see, he wasn't simply walking along. You know, if Jesus was just walking, 
on his way to Jerusalem that day, minding his own business, they would not be amazed by this, would they? No, there was something that he was doing, that he was ministering, that he was caring for people as he walked along the way, and they were amazed at Jesus, all the things, as busy as Jesus was, all the important things that Jesus had to do, and they were amazed that he would take time for nobody's. And yet Jesus, he did that very thing. And they followed. They were afraid even. They felt the moment. They felt the moment. They knew that things were happening, that Jesus was working towards something. They felt there was a seriousness in the air. They didn't know what to do about it. They didn't understand it. You know what? I find that's often the case. When you get involved in the things of the Lord, you see the Lord working, see the Lord doing things, you don't understand it, you don't know what He's doing, and it almost makes you a little bit afraid because you realize quickly that you are not in control, but He is. And they felt the weight of it. And I believe that in our lives, if we truly get involved in what God is doing, that we quickly become uh, uh, keenly aware of the weightiness of serving this great God and King that we have. You see, those people, those of us, and sometimes I put myself in it, sometimes that we don't soak in the moment, we don't take in all that God is doing. And this, this that we do here today, that we come together, that it can be light, that it can mean nothing to us, it can be just part of our normal routine day. But if we ever get a good glimpse, if we ever get on to the fact that God is an awesome God, that God is working, that God is moving, and that God is active in our lives, and that God wants to use us, it'll make us be somewhat afraid of what God just might do and here they sensed that those disciples as you know as knuckle-headed as they were as keenly unaware as they were they even felt the weightiness of it and so they walked they were amazed they were afraid and then he took again the 12 and began to tell them what things should happen to him now this is the third time that Jesus has told them that he was going to die on the cross. He, he made it very plain, and this is number three, uh, that he has done that. And, and so it is, they, they don't like it any time that Jesus uh, talks about it, that he does, they do not like it one iota. But I think it's cool, and I tried to emphasize it as I read it, that all through, as Jesus is giving these two, uh, two verses here in 33 and 34, there's one little word here that stands out. It's a four-letter word, S-H-A, that's five letters, S-H-A-L-L, shall. Five-letter word. I caught myself, all right? Shall. 
that it is repeated over and over and over and over and over again. He predicted a very sorrowful prediction of what was going to happen here as he entered into Jerusalem, that we will go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the scribes and the chief priests, and they shall condemn him and shall deliver him and shall mock him, shall scourge him, shall spit upon him, shall kill him. And the third day shall arise shall not maybe this was the plan of God sometimes we as human beings have a hard time getting around getting our mind around the fact that this wasn't an accident this is the plan of God what Jesus say no man takes my life from me freely I lay it down he makes this prediction and isn't it neat that he makes it with such accuracy as we see later unfolded in the story. How could he make it with such accuracy? Because it's his story. It's God's story. That that's why he came. He came to die for sinful men. So Ronnie, so how does, how and what, how does that answer the question, why serve? That we don't serve just to be good people. We serve because there's lostness all around us. We serve because there's people that are dying and going to hell. We serve because we have experienced the amazing, saving grace of God that has changed our life. That's why we serve. We serve because we need an opportunity. We need a way to share the gospel with somebody. That's why we serve. We serve because our lives have been changed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We serve because that we are unlike the rest of the world. That's why we serve. That's why we must. That's why it's demanded of us that we give of ourselves. It's great that we give of our money, but we need to be willing to give of ourselves as well. It takes money. It takes time. It takes are you going to do the three T's, time and money and treasure, yeah, treasure, all that good stuff. It takes it all. It takes, we must give all of ourselves because we have been purchased, because we have been born again, that we, have, we must now live to a higher standard and a higher call than the rest of the world. And it's not just so we can, you know... Uh, do a, some little task, we can check that off of our list, but there should be an inner compulsion in our life that we are to be about the Father's business each and every day. He reminds us that He made this prediction and that we have a motivation of salvation in our hearts and lives. That's my motivation. It should be my motivation. It should be your motivation and ours as a church that it's simply because that we have been born again by the grace of Almighty God. And so, it's a certainty that Jesus, that He makes this prediction because that is the plan that Jesus came for one reason and one reason alone. He came to die for your and my sin. That is the reason why Jesus came. Now, He did many other great things. 
while he was here. But there was one thing that was greater than all other things. That was the thing that changed all of humanity for all of history. And that is his death on the cross. His death and then his subsequent resurrection. That he died and that he rose again. Ronnie, I've never experienced that. I don't know what you're talking about. I might necessarily uh, know that you know, you're even on track with this. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this one question, and that is, are, are you a sinner? Have you ever sinned? Do you ever do what's wrong? Not even uh, what is considered morally wrong by your neighbor. Yes, you've done that. I've done that. We've all done that. There's nobody that can escape that question, and because that question is always yes, that we are in need of a Savior, that we are in need of help because that has separated us from God. And through Christ Jesus, and only through Christ Jesus, can we ever be made right with Him again. Say, Ronnie, I'm a good person, I'm a religious person. That's well and good, but that's not going to take care of your problem. You see, well, look here is what he said here, that he would be delivered up to the chief priests and the scribes and Pharisees. Religion, established religion, you'll see it every time in hearing the Word of God, it ends up being contrary to Jesus. Why? Because religion is about what man tries to do on his own to get favor with God. And that won't ever work. Won't work. Can't ever make him happy for us trying to appease him. Just us receiving what He's done. That Christ Jesus has died for us. And if we're willing to humble ourselves and receive what He's done, then He's willing to be your Lord. And that death on the cross, that it can become your death. His resurrection from the grave, that it can become your resurrection. And that you can live with confidence. You can live knowing that when the day comes, that when you breathe your last breath here upon this earth, that you're going to breathe your first breath in heaven and experience all that Jesus Christ has gone to prepare for those who love Him. You can do that today. If you want to, if you're willing to, you can. Here next we see the shameful petition. The shameful petition that James and John, they come on the scene. In verse 35, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we desire. And he said unto them, Well, what would you should I, that I should do for you? They said to him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand, the other on thy left hand, in glory. Now, that, that is a shameful petition, isn't it? That, that, they've, they've, got, they've got some nerve, don't they? Oh my goodness, it, it is amazing uh, that they would do that. Uh, no, it's not amazing they would do that. It's just, kind of, it's just kind of tough that God would choose to put it in the Bible because we would do it too. You know what Matthew, in Matthew chapter 20, it says they got their mama to do it. All right, moms, you know you'd do it. Yeah. These guys that got mama to go do it. Mom will do for you what nobody else will do for you. And hear that she, she, became part, she became part of their plan. And what a, what a disgraceful plan it was. They wanted to be recognized. Notice that here Jesus had just told them, that he was going to die on the cross. 
just told them that he was going to be mistreated, he was going to be abused, he was going to be spit upon. And yet they were more concerned about their position that they were going to have one day. They had to be Baptist, right? Much more concerned about their position than what Jesus was about to accomplish and what Jesus was about to do for them. I think it really that we are so disgusted by James and John because I see myself in James and John. If we're honest, that we see ourselves in James and John. That every day of my life, and I think that it would be accurate to say that every day of our lives, that we are constantly battling self. Promoting self. Worrying about self. Making sure that self gets the pat on the back that self wants, that self gets some recognition, that self is made to feel okay. And so this petition, I see myself. And I ask you today, do you see yourself? And I would submit to you that if you don't see yourself, then I believe you probably should see yourself. That they ask that they could have places of honor and position and eternity and glory. They thought they were deserving of it, is really what they implied. Because Jesus, knowing their heart, Jesus knowing their mind, you see what His answer was, right? He answered their heart. Maybe more so than He did their question. He tended to their heart, and really that's always the issue. The, you know, our, our actions and our reactions, how we act and how we react, that's not the problem. The problem is our heart and our action and our reactions reveal the condition of our heart. That's just a byproduct. Our heart is who we are. And so he goes to the heart of it and he says, you don't even know what you're asking. He says, you think that you can drink of this cup and be baptized with this same baptism? And they answered that they could. Now they're going to drink of that cup and be baptized of that baptism, all right, but it's not going to be as they think they can do it. They're going to be baptized with it and really by the, what He has done, they will experience the benefit of what Jesus has done. See, they said we can They had a, lot of, had a lot of confidence in their self. And you know, we, we promote that today, and I, and I understand that, that you know, there's, there's got to be a, a sense in that you don't walk around like a whipped pup all the time. You know what I'm saying? But 
especially in ministry, it seems as though that we can quickly be persuaded into thinking that we can do it. That we can think that we can teach that Sunday school class. We've taught it for ten years. We can teach it. We've sung that song ten times. We can sing it. That we've done this so many times. We can do it. Yeah, you can do it. And you'll get the results of you doing it. I can do it. And I can get the results of me doing it. But what he's getting at is that we can't enter into the things that we do in the service of the Lord in our own flesh and in our own power and think that we've got it together enough to pull it off. We can have the best organizational skills that there are. We can be the best, the best you know, politician, so to speak, and be able to you know, hobnob with people and make... Um, make relationships with people and think, boy, we can do that. But no, when it comes to the things of God, it's not about my natural ability or your natural ability. It's about what God is doing in and through us and us allowing ourselves to be used by God for His glory, right? Absolutely. But you just see that this is all about them. It brings shame to them and it brings shame to me. Bring shame to us in our lives as we see ourselves as we really are. He said in 40, But to sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. I have a sneaky feeling that there's going to be some people in heaven that are going to have some pretty good position that we didn't even know existed. They were people that flew under the radar. Humanly speaking. I think there's a lot of things that's noticed from heaven that we don't ever see. There's some things that we, we may look at and say, well, wasn't that sweet? And heaven may say, boy, that was important. That little kid up there at McDonald's that you bought the ice cream cone for. That may rank high in heaven. That little person down the road that can't get out and you gave him a phone call. That may rank high in heaven one day. You see that Jesus said that he's not going to be about the business of giving that stuff out. That's not his to give. Somebody will be getting re- receiving that one day, and it'll be, it'll be proper, and it'll be right when it happens, but it's not going to be anybody that's asking for it. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm just mean enough that sometimes the people try to work me that I just won't do it just for the fun of it. Huh? Yeah, you know. Jesus, you wasn't going to work him. You're not going to work God. You're not going to manipulate God. You're not going to pull anything over God's eyes. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. I don't think that they were, I don't think they were disappointed in James and John. 
I think they were mad they didn't think of it first. They thought they had got the upper hand. Sometimes we're worried about somebody else getting the upper hand on us. Maybe somebody else getting the position that we wanted to be in so that we could get a little bit more recognition. They were displeased with James and John. Is there anybody recently in your life that you've been a little displeased with because of, ah, oh, there was my chance. Oh. If they wouldn't have been there then, I could have slid right on in on that. But this shameful petition, lastly, 42 through 45, See the sacrificial position. But Jesus called them to him. Isn't it a beautiful thing about Jesus that when he should have thumped them on the head, he should have, you know, just scolded them, run them through the ringer. In the way that only Jesus can. And just as Jesus often does with me. And as Jesus often does for you. That he calls you close. He calls you to himself. And that he corrects us. That he shows us. That he loves us. And Jesus called them to him. And said to them. You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. He sets them up with what we all know to be true. That in hum normal human affairs, as the way it goes with men, that the higher up the ladder that you go, the more people that you have under you that can serve you and help, help you. That's just how it is in, in man's world. But that B-U-T, but... He contrasts that we are not supposed to be that way. That is not how the kingdom of God operates. It is amazing that oftentimes that the kingdom of God, that the principles by which the kingdom of God operates, oftentimes that they turn man's normalcy up on its head. And that's what we see here. That we turn man's normalcy up on its head, but shall it not be among you? Whosoever will be great among you will be your minister. Oh, it's not, it's not the lesser serving the greater. But if you're going to be great in the kingdom, it's the greater serving the lesser. That's strange. But yet, that's exactly 
how the kingdom of God operated in the life of Jesus, and it still operates that way today. If you and I, if we want to truly be great, not in man's eyes, they're not going to get it. But if you want to be great in the kingdom, if you want to be great in the eyes of God, that we need not be looking for those to serve us. We want to be great in the eyes of God. We need to be looking for others to serve. Using your life, using my life to serve other people. That we put ourselves in the position so that we can serve others. Whosoever of you will be the chiefest, shall be servant of all. You see, with such certainty, he's definite, he's sure. Again, uses that S-H-A-L-L, that five-letter word. Shall. This is the way it's going to happen. There's no way to circumvent this in the kingdom of God. You can't get away from it. You can't get around it. There's no other way other than serving, putting ourselves at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. And that goes against our nature. And so I've been very blessed this week as I've seen many of you out trying to serve this week and just trying to put yourself out there. Hey, when we, we, put, when we put Mission Week down the third week of July... We culled out all the dead wood. We're seeing who's serious about it, didn't we? Yeah, see who's going to come out there when it's 100 degrees. No, we really didn't plan it that, for, for that reason. It's the only time in, every year that we got open, honestly, is the reason why we did it. You know, I, I know many of you were able to serve this week. Some of you weren't, and, and I understand all that. I know some of us just didn't. Some of us did, some of us couldn't, and some of us didn't. That's the three people we got here today. For those of you who did, I say thank you. For those of you who couldn't, God bless your heart. And those of you who wouldn't, may God change your heart. May God change it. Say, Ronnie, you don't know how busy I've been this week. And I understand, if that's legitimate, you don't have to, you're not, no guilt for me if it's legitimate. And you know if it's legitimate or not. I'm not I, don't, I don't. But all of us, all of us, we need to find ways of servitude and service. That it's about us putting ourselves low so that we can be made high. Not high in man's estimation of things, but in God's estimation of things. Because that's the one that really matters. And I guarantee you, You'll not be near as happy being served as you are when you serve. No, not nearly as happy. Not as fulfilled, not as content. I think oftentimes we're miserable in our walk with the Lord because we're not doing anything with it. That's not about building a bunk bed. I'm worried about tomorrow morning is what I'm worried about. I'm worried about next week when you have an opportunity to serve. When you're going from point A to point B, 
Do you take an opportunity? Well, I take an opportunity to serve. Why, why, do, we, why do we serve? Because that's the avenue, that's the path to greatness. There's no other path to greatness. Serving is the path to greatness. And whosoever you shall be the chiefest shall be servant of all, for even... Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Even Jesus. That's a unique word. Even Jesus. Who's the highest of the high. The one who left heaven. That He came and He did set the bar awful high. That He perfectly served, and we even see it in the text that we saw today, that as He was going on His way to to Jerusalem, that He found opportunities to serve. And even the Son of Man, as Jesus spoke of Himself, that He came not to be ministered into, and my goodness, that is the case, that He came ministering, that He came giving of Himself, Oh, may God help us. May God convict us that we would live a life of servitude, that we would be giving of ourselves, less concerned about what's in it for us. And may I say, not even concerned about what is in it for us, but how can we serve? How can we make the name of God great? How can we take opportunities to be a witness to Mayfield and Graves County day in and day out? Now, there's, there's all sorts of opportunities. And I encourage you to find those in your life and serve. Sometimes it's within the confines of the church. Sometimes it's in other ways that is unassociated uh, with the church, so to speak. But yet, they are very viable and good ways to serve. That you can be faithful with your witness. That you and I can be faithful with the love of God and the message of Christ Jesus in a multitude of places, in a multitude of ways that we would use our life for something that is worthwhile. The older I get, hey, Mel and I went to our 30-year reunion last night. Like, holy moly. I love hanging out with old people now, right? Yeah. Oh, please. Hey. Calendars flipping off pretty quick, you know, boom, 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 boom. Times rolling by. What am I doing with my life? Are you doing anything of eternal value? Am I doing anything of eternal value with my life? Somebody's going to preach your funeral one day. What are they going to say about you? Are they going to be able to say that you lived your life for the honor and glory of God, that you used your days well and wisely? We've got a a lot of things that that want our attention, and there's, there's nothing wrong with many of those things, but don't allow things that have no value 
to dictate your life and my life. Let's use it for things that impact the kingdom of God. May we be a church of servants. And thank you for how you've served this week. Thank you for how you've served in the weeks leading up to this. That you, that you gave, you gave of your time, some of you, that you put quilts together, that, you know, I went, I went one day and made a hospital visit, and the girl was cutting quilt squares sitting in the hospital bed. That's awesome. That's making good use of your time. It is. And that as we, as we serve, as we serve one another, as we work together, that we won't have time for all the foolishness that we see happening in many places in churches all the time. As we serve one another and serve the Lord, that we'll keep our eyes fixed on the main things, the things that really are important. I told you, I believe I told you one time, and I was, when I was preparing this week for Philippians 2, that, um, that tells the story of, in da- I think it was in Dallas, Texas, that, is in the, in the paper there about uh, the church had a big fight and, you know, there was all sorts of problems and they really got down to the issue and the issue was that one of, one of the kids that come in, uh, came in on the transportation ministry got a bigger piece of ham than the deacon did. I, they say it's a true story, I don't know. You see, that, that, that stuff is foolishness. And you know what? They, they weren't worried about serving, were they? They were worried about being served. Now, don't get me wrong. Trent Fralix did, he did mention how much I had on my plate one night. He did do that. I, don't, I, think, I did have a pretty good portion, come to think of it. You see, it's foolish stuff like that. It shows us that we're not really got our eye on the prize. We're not really about serving. We're about other people serving us sometimes. I thank God for you. I thank God for what He's taught us and what God is teaching us. I thank God that this week that we were able to do some tangible things. Able to go out into to some homes yesterday and put some beds in those homes. Make you probably appreciate what you've got, maybe. See a smiling face or two. And know that no matter which side of the tracks you came for, came from, that Jesus died for you. And that Jesus loves you. And because Jesus did and does, that I'm going to love you. And I'm going to be willing to serve you. I'm going to be willing to do some things that are uncomfortable even. I'm going to be willing to put myself out there for the kingdom of God. If I want to be high, it only comes by going low. If I want to be the chiefest, It's only be when I get down. May God help me to learn that lesson well. Never quit learning it. And always be exemplifying it.
and always be teaching it to those that I'm around. Why serve? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these moments today, and God, I pray that our hearts will be challenged.